This is a crypto finance podcast. We are holding internal knowledge sessions and publish selected episodes to share our know-how and experience with you. Tokenization. Let's talk about what tokenization actually is or what a token actually is. There are plenty of different definitions, so yours might vary from mine. Uh, we'll give you my take on it. If you have a blockchain, then a blockchain has some native assets. You might have Bitcoin as a native asset. Uh, you might have Ether as a native asset. Um, those native assets can very well be categorized by this FINMA definition. I want to make that perfectly clear that you have this FINMA definition of payment, utility and asset. And that's kind of a horizontal differentiation. And then you have a, a vertical differentiation between tokens and native. On the other hand, you can have native payment tokens, or native payment, whatever, and token payment, or native utility, token utility. I do not know about anything which would be a native asset or the equity token, native equity, but uh, there I only know of tokens. Huh? But let's let's um, then talk about what what is the difference between a token and a native um, thing. In lack of, of terms, I will call it a thing. If you have Bitcoin, then then you do own an entry in that distributed ledger. That's literally all you, you own. There is nothing more to it. But that entry in this distributed ledger has value on its own, which is a very different value proposition from if there is some real-world item to which you have a, an entry in some sort of ledger that gives you a right over that real-world item. That real-world item can be a physical thing or it can be a right to something or it can be a, a voting priority or whatever. Was that irritating or was that helpful up to now? Irritating? Irritating, helpful? Okay. So, um, let's talk about maybe what are not tokens. Bitcoin is not a token. Can somebody tell me an example of a utility thing that is not a token? So, something that derives its value from the chain itself or from being that entry in the ledger itself and not by virtue of somebody off-chain promising something or some right to something that lies off-chain. You not say Bitcoin is not a token. Bitcoin but is not a token. Per FINMA definition, it is payment token. No, I don't think so. Because this FINMA um, classification... There's only three and they're all tokens. Yes, so. but this whole classification um, that you have referred to was the FINMA circular about ICOs. And yes, they, they did somewhat also mention Bitcoin in that category, but that was really about distinguishing between payment, utility, and asset, or equity. I'm not sure what the, what the English word was. Asset. Asset. Um, payment, utility, or asset. But at the same time, um, I would like to differentiate between native and token. Right? A token is somewhat a proxy for something else. That's, that's somewhat by its, by its name, by its nature. Um, while Bitcoin is a native asset. And the, the, the language might not always be perfectly clear there, but um, I guess when you look at the use cases that are out there in, in the um, industry, then it, it is clear. So let's come back. We now do this token native and payment utility asset. We know a native payment instrument, Bitcoin. Do we know of a native utility instrument? 
Can somebody name something? There are several. Zia. Uh, is also of the type that you that you can use this Zia to pay for storage, right? Um, it might be somewhat in network, so not really out of network because you you do prove in the network that you did fulfill the, the storage part. But it's really I would also put that more in the payment type, but it's somewhat in between. Ether. Ether. So that's actually one of the two examples that I, that I know of because Ether has the utility of, of being consumed in smart contracting executions. Also kind of paying the miner to execute that, but, but that's paying for, for the miners is not really paying. That's, that's more, more using. But at the same time, uh, Ether, even though I would classify that as a, a native utility instrument, um, has been classified by FINMA as a payment um, device, probably because the, the value of Ether, the value that Ether derives from being a utility, is similar to the value that gold derives from being used in electronics, right? So yeah, there is a use case for that, but that gives it like 0.1% of its value. The rest comes from speculation and uses of the currency. But there is a, a small, small portion to it. Another one would be Augur Rep. Having that rep uh, allows you participation in the network, not by not by paying with it, but just by holding it, you you get the rights to participate in the network, and that's purely within the network. There is no no external component to it, so that would very much classify as that asset. I do not know of a single example. Does maybe doesn't make sense. Uh, maybe this Maker DAO token might no, be in that. That's right, but it's but it's, it's very you need weird. to hold it to vote. That's yes, it. yes, but the uh, right to vote is essentially also what a share is, and that death does classify it. It's a bit weird, but that might be the only one that which, which actually matches there. But so let's hope there's many more ICO tokens, but not natives, right? Yes, 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 yes. So we talk now about the native ones, and now we come to the other ones, and there are plenty. <laughs> um, XRP, in, in which sense? XRP are a payment instrument. But I think SEC is not yet really sure about that. That's very centralized. Uh, yes, but uh, you have no rights to something. You have no rights to something. So that, that might make it a security, but not a not an equity or mm -hmm. asset. So yeah, the the whole notion of what is a security and what is not a security is like yet another excess in the whole discussion. It's 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 getting very messy and. Uh, somebody to really write up a uh, clear distinction between that would probably be a, a very decent master's thesis for somebody. Okay. It's, um, it's, it's quite something. Okay, tokens. Tokens are somewhat a voucher, it's a token. Yeah. Um, you, you get something that you can use for something or um, that, that represents something else. That, that's literally what a token is. The first time that I used the word token in my life was when I was probably 13 years old and playing uh, Magic the Gathering and that you put tokens on the, on the playing field that represent creatures that can attack something. It's, it's something that represents something else by, by really by its nature. So payment token, what, the, what, what would that be? Something that is in these FINMA classification of pin, uh, payment utility asset in the payment sector but is a token by representing something else. Yeah, can um, uh, 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 a real uh, fiat currency backed uh, uh, yes. uh, 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 
Basically, every every packed stablecoin, every stablecoin that has some underlying is in that category. It's intended for payment, and I already talked about a second Not one. Necessary for payment is meant to be investment partly as well. Yeah, well, you, you don't invest. I mean, it's, it's but if it's stable, then you don't invest. Right, well, we're like um, backed with dollar that are somewhat in a bank account, right? So backed by dollar, backed by 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 money, backed, backed by a payment instrument. Then it's a payment token. The other one, the third category of really some being a token for securities or a token for assets. That's uh, that where we will probably spend most of the time with. But for, for the introduction, maybe just so stablecoins are in that category. Utility tokens, uh, that's actually also again a difficult one, but there are examples. Can somebody name something which is not for payment, not representing as some security, still having a use in the real world, but being a token? Sentiment. Okay, I no, don't know that one. Yeah, the Bloomberg of crypto, there are a lot of data gathering, analysis, and you need token to access uh, the data. And the do you have to, to, to give them the token to access the data? Uh, no, we have to stake it somewhere. You need to, you need to have it in a wallet. That's neat. That's actually some, uh, similar to what I would have suggested, uh, which is some of this token. Lee is a company that started in 2013, uh, where, where they made a lot of that type, where you could just buy a token that, 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 that is somewhat bound to, uh, say, an artist uh, come doing some music, and by holding the token, not by giving the token back, but really by, by holding it, you just continuously get access to the early access in the making music, and then when the album is finished, you can give them token and get the copy of the, of the album, by, whereby by holding that thing, you get access to something, and not by spending that thing, you get access to something, which very much makes it not payment, and not really equity, um, still just some, some access right to something in the real world. Right? That is a large category. There might be others in this utility token stuff. And then there are security tokens. This is what people mostly talk about when they talk about tokenization, where the value proposition is that uh, you can buy a share of something which otherwise you would not be able to, to buy a share of due to inefficiencies or regulation. Uh, and now with 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 the blockchain, you are magically able to do that, right? And we can we can look at these claims and when they are true, when they are not true, but that's some of the value proposition. And that that ranges from from people claiming that you can own a share of the Mona Lisa by tokenizing the Mona Lisa, to people or companies actually claiming that you will very soon be able to to buy a token that represents a share in major company like Apple or Nestle. That's the, the area which is, from all the ones that I mentioned now, probably least interesting from a, from a technology point of view because it's just replicating something which already exists, it's, it's efficiency gains, but at the same time most interesting to those that suffer under those inefficiencies. Right? But while, the, while the, the utility token is something which, which was really not really possible to do before, security tokens are something that was possible to do before. So, how does that work? Or are there questions at this point? If I may I just add something, I think maybe at another time I could try and describe uh, how the, the, the term token is used in the financial markets law, uh, where they actually what uh, Bernadette said, a token is, uh, they differentiate uh, differently. And on the civil law there are two categories. And uh, I think that the issue is 
sometimes depending in which area you are, uh, you might mean by using the term token or native token or whatsoever, different things. Yeah, that might very well be, especially once when we come to this legal area. Mm -hmm. It is somewhat unheard of to have a database entry which by itself already has value and not by being overwrite to something else or underlined by something else. The database entry by itself already has value. So I guess in, in, in that area you are more used to talking about tokens. I guess to, to many it's not, they don't really differentiate between a payment token as uh, like a stablecoin and a payment token like Bitcoin. They just colloquially say token also to Bitcoin. Well, I would very much argue that this is not the case. Right. That this this is not a take token. This is not representative of something else. This is value on its own. Yeah. I guess nomenclature is, as I said, this is my my nomenclature, which which I somewhat derive from the the words being used. But it's that there will be a different definition in each segment. Okay, so um, there have been a lot of claims of what tokenization does. Funniest ones actually are really of the type. Hey, uh, you are too poor to, to own a Lamborghini. Uh, let me just give you a token of a Lambo, and now you can claim that you own a token of a Lambo. Right. What is it that you buy when you buy a token of a Lambo? I buy a fraction of the right, of the right to own a fraction of the Lambo. Mm -hmm. You see, you, you do have a finance background, so you understand that, uh, that owning a fraction of a Lambo doesn't make sense unless there is a right access um, and a, a proper fraction to it. But really, honestly, the first two years of people talking, talking about tokenization was literally people saying, okay, I own the Lambo, I now create a hundred tokens that represent some parts of the Lambo, and I, I sell them to people, and I still drive this Lambo. Right. <laughs> Yeah, which is yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's yeah, but I understand that I understand that this this sounds like an outlandish proposition, but this is literally really the the pitch that you would have heard the first, last yeah, week. That's simply crap because uh, if yeah. if uh, you have a token, either you have uh, a right in REM, which means you are then uh, entitled to the property uh, uh, which it refers to, which is not possible just by uh, selling tokens of a Lamborghini or whatever else, of Mona Lisa, but it's different when you then somehow it represents a claim to get ownership mm -hmm. of something. There so are business models offering exactly this, right? Yes, yes, there are business models that are much more reasonable and I, there, this is, I do not want to go too much into this. Where are business models reasonable? I just wanted to, to give some, lay some foundation of what these terms mean. What you just said is, is very interesting and very relevant. In one sense or the other, you buy a claim, right? A claim to something. Okay, so let's just say somebody sold tokens of his, uh, of his car and you somewhat managed to get 100% of those tokens. Yeah, let's, let's not deal with edge cases. You really have 100% of the tokens. And you go to him and say, okay, I want to take this car now. How is it today? I own 15 of the shares, so what am I entitled to? You are entitled to voting rights um, in Novartis with a very small amount, mm -hmm. but there is an arbitrage which gives also a small number of shares rights because if somebody manages to get reasonable amounts, then it does matter. And it gives you the rights that are um, given in the in the shareholder agreement of... So the mayor, and you see, kind of, that's a membership, you can have claim, uh, you can have membership or you can have a right uh, in REM. 
And as a shareholder, it's defined in the law. That means you're entitled to vote to get uh, financial benefits and whatsoever. You so see, the problem is if you then say, well, I give you a token which represents this, that depends on the legal system you are in, because certain things you can represent with a token, certain things you can't. And that's why the Anna proposal, for example, in Switzerland for tokenization of shares, you can have book entry <coughs> shares with the, uh, with the um, a securities lecture which needs to be in a certain form, which up to now is not really possible. It's debated whether you can do that on a blockchain. And now going just to change the law so that in the future an entry on the blockchain represents then your ownership into your Nestle shares, provided that other requirements are met. So at the end of the day, it always depends on what you talk about, what is meant, and in which legal system you are in. Yes. Yeah. That's very important because this claim only a claim only has a value if there is a chance of enforcing that claim. Yeah. Just or either uh, that you enforce, if you see, if it's a claim kind of, if you have a contractual right against someone, you can enforce it. Or even better, if you have a, a right into something which is not a contractual right, but gives you uh, the right to this property, to this asset directly. You see, if you always differentiate whether you have contractual claim, which you need to enforce because someone has to fulfill this contractual claim, or whether you have a right which represents uh, the asset itself. Mm -hmm. But there, there are a lot of interesting things being said here. I want to just point them out because, because you, you, all of you seem to take a lot of stuff for granted, which most of the tokenization projects that you see out there do not take for granted. <laughs> there is really a, a complete disconnect already. So you do rely on enforceability. If your token is supposed to represent a right to something, then you do rely on, if you want to go there and somewhat exercise your right, you, you can do that. And if you are declined from doing that, you do have the power of the law or the, the state behind you. Right? But do, do we actually have that with what we're seeing at the moment? No. Do you even have that for Tether? Yes, of course. For, it, it becomes very complex, but Tether is, is one of the better examples. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and you assume that um, at least what you two just said, someone relies on being in, in, in Swiss law which tokens somewhat by their very nature are not they are uh, they are an international construct you cannot really pin that down in any meaningful way or at least um, most of the projects rely on somewhat getting new demand from new markets into their product right if, if i buy a, a tesi which gives me the power to vote in tesos for example i do assume that i can do that no matter where i am right yeah but the foundation is based in Switzerland, exactly. so you have the enforcement of Switzerland. I would assume if the token is, is, is traded here on, 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 on Lücke or on SDX, then it's traded here, but where you are sitting with your computer doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay, if you, but have an you, you do understand that, those, that, that on a blockchain you, can, you do not have to have an exchange in order to trade something. I can just send from A to B. But it doesn't matter wherever you are in the world and you hold the share, it's still the company that's sitting there, so you have the lost thing. Yeah, but, but it's okay. I see that, that none of you actually saw those pictures that I had to see for a, for a long time, right? Where, where people <laughs> literally sit down and say, oh yeah, we can, we can tokenize all the, the pictures. And then you say, yeah, but um, what, what do the current owners say about that? Yeah, no, you don't actually um, get, they, they don't yeah, have to agree. That's, that's more or less, we all agree that is bullshit, right? Yeah, that's so bullshit. Maybe we sure. focus on the cases that we Yes, absolutely. But in order to do that, that's, that's literally what, I, what, I'm trying, what I'm attempting here. Right? I want that, that nobody, please, suggests something that assumes 
things that are, that are not reasonable. Then it's like an ICO, basically, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, then, no, 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 look, look, look. I kind of fully agree with you. By the way, even if you set it up properly, if it then uh, involves uh, different jurisdictions, even if you have an uh, enforceable claim, you will easily uh, not be uh, able to uh, enforce it because you, it's due to practical uh, problems to enforce a claim via various jurisdictions or if people move and companies move, it's very, very difficult. But I agree with you when one proposes business models or ideas, you have of course to think what you promise, whether that flies. If you construct a car and you will say it will fly like a plane, you know, if you believe it, fine, but it's something won't work. It's with the link of, of, of a token to something, it, it has a construct which is valid and at least in theory enforceable. And if not even this is the case, then anyway, you, you can just uh, yep. help. Yeah. This is something legally enforceable is something that you do not, maybe to make that different difference again, which, which you do not have to have for native blockchain assets. Bitcoin does not have to be enforceable because it's the, the value is, is already, the, 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 the entry on the database is on, on the ledger is already the value. intrinsic value, it's just the entry on the blockchain. Yes. But if someone steals the private key... Uh, you, you might have a claim of trying to get it back from them. Uh, sure, sure, I totally understand this. But you do not have to have enforceability. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I hope yeah, I. But I think our law and the, fr the framework of the law in most European and also US countries don't foresee that. So the enforceability is always given by the Handelsregister because you have some SPVs and then you bring the token mm -hmm. which represents something. Right? I, I think we, we, we have a was a Medienbruch or Right. I, I call it the analog gap. fitting it together because the whole registers... Yes. The so if you, if you bind a real-world asset to a blockchain token, yeah. there are two directions that you need to somewhat make sure that they are fulfilled in some shape or form. There are some projects that try to do that by game theory, and there are some projects that try to do that by legal enforceability, and there are some projects which don't care about this at all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Those two directions are... How do you get real-world information onto the blockchain? Right? For example, if you have something like, a, uh, like an option on the blockchain that relies on uh, there are some ether and if the price of uh, gold versus dollar is higher or lower than whatever, those ether go to person A or to person B, which is a large part of the value proposition of financial instruments on the Ethereum blockchain. Then you need to get the price of gold as an input into that smart contract onto the blockchain. So you have to you have the, the Oracle problem, right? You have the, uh, the Medienbruch um, in, in that direction. You have to have an Oracle which gets from A to B. And there are game theoretical approaches to that and just reputation approaches to that. For example, um, what was it? Was it Thomson Reuters? Not sure. Uh, that, that did uh, publish just information um, onto the, about these things onto the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, at least as an experiment. And you have the other way around. If something happens on the blockchain and you need to, to as a result of that, have something that, that has to happen in the real world, you have to have some sort of enforceability. And for that, you better take the regulator with you to that project and you better take the, the, the legal constructs with you on that project. Which is why, why I would argue that um, this is something which, which by now is, is actually not such a such a weird claim to make anymore but two years ago when i told that to people they were like yeah but why 
tokenization is at least as much a legal problem as it is a technological problem. I would say much, much more of a legal problem. This is, um, this is by, by now, this is somewhat goes towards being established, but that's rather new. Please don't forget that. Especially if you, if you read like um, business propositions that are two years old, you will not find that at all. People were running around saying, we can tokenize everything. We don't need the state. We no, don't need the regulator. We don't need uh, anything. Uh, and people were serious about that, really. Yeah, but you see, you could in a way simplify, compare it like when you have a share in, in a paper certificate, that in a way this uh, paper represents uh, your membership in this, uh, as a shareholder in the company. Uh, yeah, just paper itself, it's just paper, you can burn yes. it. Uh, uh, it needs kind of an intellectual concept, uh, which then gives this effect, and the same is with, with the blockchain. Uh, if you do something in this great new technology, yeah, of course, you need to have kind of uh, a structure which then links uh, the things with tokenizations of people. <coughs> yeah. Just if they can tokenize uh, the Mona Lisa and all that, yeah, that's a good or a bad joke, but not much more. Yeah, this is where, where, where kind of the last part comes in. We do have concepts of tokenization already in the real world in the form of shares. Those are, I'm not sure where the border really is, but those things, shares, paper shares, are bankable assets that might or might not become more efficient and reach a wider audience due to being on blockchain. That's great. There is another proposition that, that's still done a lot. That's a, that's a buzzword, not buzz sentence, whatever, um, that tokenization makes unbankable assets bankable. And that's something for which I'm, which I'm honestly really still looking for the first example. This episode was brought to you by CryptoFinance. We are happy to receive comments and feedback. Email your thoughts to research at cryptofinance.ch.